Amen. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of, not Mark, but the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts chapter number 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter number 8. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, out of respect and reverence for the Holy Word of God. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 26, and we're going to read down through verse number 40. Acts 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to worship, to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb before his shearer, so as a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened uh, he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, Well, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Astus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the time that you've given to us already. It's been sweet to just be together and to sing these songs that we've sung, and to have this time of prayer, and to be able to give. And Lord, just, it's been sweet. Lord, now as we turn our attention to you and to your word, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to focus in on what you'd have for us today, and help us to be good hearers, but, oh Lord, I pray you'd help us to be more more than that, help us to be good doers of the word. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd change our lives today. And that we pray these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to take a little break from our series in the book of Mark. Last Sunday, in my message, I actually referenced this passage that we're going to look at today and study. And uh, I just, as I mentioned it on Sunday, and I've just kind of been mulling it over and thinking about it, and, and I'm like... Lord, is it okay if I break my series in the book of Mark and cover something different? And, and the Lord gave liberty there. And so here we are in Acts chapter number 
8. Now, we're going to be back in Mark in the coming weeks, but for today, we're going to consider, consider this question today that the Ethiopian eunuch asked in verse number 36, what doth hinder me? What doth hinder me? Now, the word hinder is uh, translated from the Greek word kuluo, or koluo, which means to prevent, to forbid, to keep from to withstand. And this Greek word we find many times throughout the New Testament translated into some of those other words that I just mentioned. One such instance was a uh, flashback in our series in the Mark, Mark chapter 10 and verse 14, uh, when his disciples uh, began, there was young children being brought to him, remember? And, and, Jesus, and these disciples forbid that they would come, and they, they, they prevented them from coming. And, and Jesus, when he saw it, in verse 14 of Mark chapter 10, says, He was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. So what they were doing is they were hindering these children from coming to Jesus, preventing them from coming. Um, have you ever been hindered from doing something? Uh, I think we all have. Um, I was thinking this week, a couple times I was hindered by something that uh, we all know and not really love here and more, and that is the train. Uh, one time on uh, this, just was Wednesday afternoon, uh, I had a chiropractor appointment at 12 o'clock, went and did that and was making my way. I had a staff meeting at one, one o'clock in the afternoon. I thought, okay, well, I have about 45 minutes before my staff meeting. I'm gonna go grab me some lunch. So I'm driving uh, east on 12th Street and, and there's an Arby's right there. Uh, I think uh, right there on Broadway and 12th Street, I think that's where it is. I could be wrong on the actual location there. But anyway, I think it actually is a little more west than that, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, I stopped at Arby's, got me a, a number one roast beef sandwich with cheese, cheddar cheese, with some Arby's sauce. Come on. And uh, I sat there and ate. I got plenty of time. I'm looking at my clock, and I'm like, man, I got plenty of time. I'm going to just enjoy this nice little lunch before I have to be at my staff meeting. Well, I looked at my clock and I'm like, okay, I better get going. It's about 15 till. I got plenty of time. And so I drive down 12th Street going east. And I notice in the distance as I get to, I think, Broadway. Yeah, so I was way, way west. When I get to Broadway, I look and notice that there is the train stopped there on Broadway, or I mean on the train tracks at 12th Street. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go towards... Main Street, because certainly that train is not long enough to be stopped at Main Street. So I get to Main Street, and I look down left as I get to Broadway and Main, and I'm like, rats, that is still stopped. There's no way that it will still be stopped at 4th Street. So I continue down south uh, on Broadway, and I get to 4th Street, and I look, and I went, spoiled again by the dumb train. And so I'm like, I guess I'm forced, like everybody and more, to go down to 19th Street under the railroad tracks. I ended up being 10 minutes late to the staff meeting that I was leading. And uh, 
So that train hindered me. Um, well, that wasn't the only time. Yesterday, um, I was trying to get from the church over to Santa Fe and 4th Street. And I looked at my uh, GPS, and it said five, like seven minutes. And I'm like, cool. And so I'm heading, and I turn left out of the parking lot, and I'm like, oh, there it is again. <laughs> I love these trains. And so I was like, okay. And uh, Luke was with me, and, and I'm glad he's not here this morning because I can say how great of an attitude I had about it all. And uh, he's not here to correct, to correct me. But I did struggle with my attitude because I had to go all the way again, back down to 19th Street. And on a Saturday at uh, 1140 or 1130 in the morning, 19th Street is not exactly an expressway. So I, in my seven-minute journey, it ended up becoming like a 15 to 20-minute journey. And so we were hindered by that train. I remember another time, this is maybe a little TMI for you, but uh, when I first started in the ministry, when I was about just 23 years old, I started on staff in California there, and I was just kind of figuring out where I was going to fit in the church and, and what, what I was going to be doing, but I was just willing to do anything and everything. But uh, something began to happen in my left big toe. I had an ingrown toenail that was starting to form. I know. Not the most pleasant thing to talk about. Has anybody else in here ever had an ingrown toenail? I'm willing to admit it. Okay, a few of you have had it. Well, I was at that point not insured. My insurance was going to kick in, uh, I think, at the beginning of the next year. So about two or three months down the road, my insurance was going to kick in. So any type of medical attention that I needed was going to all come out of pocket. And so I'm just, you know, brand new. I don't have any money. And I'm not going to the doctor for anything. And I thought, well, I'm just going to man up and, and uh, plow through this ingrown toenail. Well, as time went on, and I began to try to fix it myself, you know, and, and this is really before the days of YouTube, you know, like DIY medical attention, you know. This is before all that, and so I'm just trying to figure out different ways to, to try to fix this and to alleviate the pain, and, and it just is not getting any better. And as time goes on, that nail begins to con continue to grow into my skin and create more pain and and every step before long every step I took it was like ah ah and then and then you start walking differently and then your muscles start hurting weird and 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 you just it began to really hinder me and finally it was like what's wrong with you Eric people would ask me and I said ah, I've got this toe thing I tried to like brush it off and then finally it was like this is starting to hinder you Let's get this taken care of. And, and my pastor finally figured it out and f found out what was going on and said, hey, we'll pay for whatever needs to happen. Let's just get it taken care of. And so I went and they took care of it. And finally, I was able to walk just fine. I remember that toenail, that ingrown toenail hindered me. And then as I thought about things that hinder, I remember that over two and a half years ago, almost, Something that you may or may not have ever heard of, but COVID-19 came on the scene. And did that not hinder all of our lives? And not just the, um, you know, for those who, when you got COVID, and um, that certainly hindered you and being able to do all that you needed to do, but just the lockdowns and the fear and the regulations and the rules that people put in place 
I mean, you couldn't even, there's still even restaurants to this day, fast food restaurants that will not let you fill up the cup, your, 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 your soft drink there at the fountain. You have to go to the, the thing because of the fear of COVID. I mean, it, it, it hindered life as we knew it. People who traveled, I mean, there was a lot of different uh, situations and things that they had to do in order to be able to travel. And, and, uh, and I, I'm just, well, obviously was not a fan of that as n- nobody was. COVID hindered many people. Well, those are some things that have hindered me, at least that I can think of very on the top of my head. And, and in our passage today, we see a man uh, this Ethiopian eunuch who wanted to follow God and wanted to remove anything that might hinder him from doing so. As we consider this morning from this passage, uh, this passage and the question, what doth hinder me? I want to consider three very important truths about following God. Number one this morning, I want us to consider the hindrances to following God. In uh, verse number 30, uh, 36, as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, hey, here's a bunch of water. What's hindering me to be baptized? So he said, I want to find out what whatever is hindering me. I want to take care of that hindrance so that I can follow God. Now, there are indeed hindrances to following the Lord's will in our lives. By the way, Satan will use any of these hindrances to try to stop us from following God's plan for our lives. We know that our enemy does want to hinder us from following the Lord. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I mean, really, he wants to not just hinder us from following God's will. He wants to get us to a point where he devours us. But he will do what he can to hinder us, and he'll use anything and everything to do so. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we should not be ignorant of what he uses in our lives to prevent us from going forward in our Christian life. So this morning, what are some of the hindrances? What does Satan use to hinder us, prevent us from following God? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to answer them. Here's some hindrances, and this is not an all-exclusive, like these are the only ones, but these are seven very important ones that we need to consider and and ask ourselves the question, is this hindering me from moving forward in my Christian life, from taking the next step? Because see, uh, the eunuch said, hey, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to get baptized. I know he wants me to. So what's hindering me? Whatever it is, I want to take the next step. So I'll get past this. Uh, I want to remove that hindrance. Okay, what, what are some hindrances that Satan uses in our life? Well, first of all, pride. Pride. Pride is a major hindrance to following the Lord's will. Because in order to follow God's will, it requires a humility that I need to do that. And uh, I am a man. I am not confused about my gender. I'm a man. But one thing that men struggle with is admitting that they need help. 
when putting together something, it's like, hey, I've got this. I don't need the instructions. I can handle this on my own. I'm, instructions are for babies or the other gender. <laughs> um, I don't need those. And so I'm going to figure this out and do it on my own. And the problem is most of us get to the point where it's like, okay, where are those instructions at? <laughs> I guess I needed those. And it would have saved me a lot of time if I would have just looked at those in the first place. See, that's who we are as men. But, um, and, 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 and when it comes to our relationship with God, we can kind of get that same mentality, that same pride if we're not careful. And we don't want to admit that we need help. We don't want to admit that we need a savior. We don't want to admit that we need God's help or others to come alongside and help us when there's a need. In order to be saved, we have to remove this hindrance of pride, don't we? We need to humble ourselves. Mark chapter 10, verse 15, Jesus said it this way, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. It requires a humility, a recognition that, God, I cannot save myself. I cannot get to heaven on my own. I need you. I, 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 I need to be humble. But pride is a hindrance. And Peter was an example of, he learned humility the hard way, didn't he? And Peter said boastfully that he would never forsake the Lord. And his pride ended up hindering him from following the Lord in a very pivotal moment. As Jesus was about ready to go to the cross and all of his disciples were forsaking him. Well, Peter said he would never. And here he was forsaking the Lord. Warming himself by a fire and denying the Lord and using profanity to do so. Yeah, pride got in the way. Pride hindered him. Is pride hindering you? from taking the next step in your relationship with God? The eunuch said, hey, what doth hinder me? Whatever it is, I want to remove it so that I can take the next step. So is pride in the way of you taking the next step in your Christian life? Can I encourage you to remove that today? What other ones? Well, Secondly, I want us to see that sinful baggage can absolutely become a hindrance in our life. If you would, uh, we'll be back here in Acts chapter number 8, but turn over to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews in chapter number 12. And verse number 1 says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. As a result of that, here's what he says. Lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We're called to run the race, the Christian race. Very difficult to do so when we're carrying a bunch of baggage. Master Brother Brent to come on up here. And help me with this this morning to show you what I'm talking about. And I'm going to need some of your help. If you can go ahead and grab that piano bench and come on up here on the platform. Well, the Brent is a Christian. 
But you know what? He's allowed some things into his life, not necessarily bad things, but weights in his life. And so you're going to go ahead and hold it and go ahead and put your hand. There you go. Perfect. That's it. Okay. Doing pretty good. He's a strong guy. He's a strong guy. But we're going to start weighing him down. And so I need somebody to bring up a, uh, to, to hand a, a, a couple hymnals up here. So somebody can reach down and, and pass a couple hymnals up here. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Let's keep them coming here. Maybe just start passing a few up here. We're going to see how, we're going to see how Brother Brent is going to do with these. Hey, these are already heavy. Okay, weights. Now, okay, let me just, uh, let me just say this. A weight in my life is I like to watch hockey. I do. I miss it. I'm looking forward to October when the start of the NHL season happens again. But you know what? Watching sports can absolutely hinder me from my relationship with God. It can. So we're going to make this hockey. How you doing? He can do this for days. All day. All day, every day. Okay, I've got a motorcycle. I like riding it. I call it my pastoral therapy. <laughs> and you know, today is a pretty nice day. Is riding a motorcycle wrong? No, it's not. But it can absolutely be a weight and hinder me from following God's will. So we're going to let this be my motorcycle. Still doing okay? Yeah. No big deal. He's just got a couple weights in his life. Not a big deal. Uh, work. Work is a good thing, isn't it? We need to work. God created us to work. But can work be a weight in our life? Yeah, it can. So we're going to keep piling on the weight for you, brother. Still doing good. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. <laughs> okay, what's another weight? Um, you got your favorite program to watch. You say, hey, it, there's nothing bad in it. It's all very clean. Okay, good. But sometimes we're more faithful to do watch those programs than we are to read our own Bible. God's love letter to us. And that becomes a weight. Still doing good? Okay, getting kind of heavy. He's starting to feel it a little bit. Okay. A relationship, friends, going out with the friends and hanging out with people. Nothing wrong with that. But when that starts hindering your relationship with your family and with, your, with the Lord, then that becomes a weight. You know what? These are stuck together. I'm just going to go ahead and put three on here for you. <laughs> okay, still doing good? Not really? Not really? Okay. <laughs> okay. So the writer of Hebrews says, hey, we got to lay aside all the weight. He says, not really, and I put more on. <laughs> okay, what does the Bible say here? Wherefore, seeing we are, okay, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If I were to ask Brother Brent, hey, run a lap around this middle section. Think that would be real easy for him to do right now? No, because he's all weighted down. Are you looking forward to what I say uh, you can drop it? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very good. Let's thank Brother Brent for that. I appreciate you coming up and helping. His biceps are going to be burning tomorrow. 
look, you get the illustration, right? What, what weight in your life is hindering you from fulfilling God's will for your life? I'm not saying none of the, all these things are wrong. In fact, all these things are okay and fine in their place. As long as they're not hindering you from taking the next step and from following God's will. So what weight in your life needs to be removed? And of course, he says here, not only the, the weight, and by the way, the weight is mentioned first. Interesting. All of us would have assumed that the writer of Hebrews would say, let us lay aside every sin. But that's not what he says. He says, let us lay aside every weight and then the sin. So even these things that are good and fine, let's make sure that they're not hindering us that they don't become idols in our lives that are preventing us from taking the next step in our Christian life. The word beset means thwarting a racer in every direction. By the way, the only time in the Bible that this word is used and, and the sin in our life, and of course, that one kind of goes without saying. We all would have guessed that that was a hindrance that we need to remove in our life. So pride, sinful baggage, what else? Procrastination is another one procrastination, going back to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. In verse number 36, as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, hey, see, here is water right now. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The, the eunuch did not want to delay his obedience to the Lord. And he was willing to do it right here, right now. I do want to remind us this morning that delayed obedience is in reality disobedience. When we start raising our children, we began teaching them that obedience means three things. To be really obedient, you need to obey the first time you're told. Not the 18th time when we start really raising our voices, but the first time you're told. To obey right away, not to when you get around to it, unless we say that, but to obey the first time you're told and to obey right away and then to also obey with a good attitude. All three need to be present and, and, and here, when it comes to taking the next step in our Christian life, I feel that too many Christians are putting it off until all the circumstances are just right, until the stars are perfectly aligned, planets are all aligned, and then they'll, uh, then they'll start, then they'll take that next step. Can I encourage you to take the next step today, right now? Many people put off decisions for a more convenient time. But Janet Daly wisely said that someday is not a day of the week. Someday isn't. So when you say, I'll do this someday, that never appears on any calendar, does it? But today does. And you know, every time in the scriptures we're called to do something, it's not tomorrow. It's not next year. It's not when everything works out just great and everything kind of is perfect. No, no, it's right now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Too many people want to procrastinate. 
in Acts chapter number 24. You don't have to turn there, but in verse 24, it says, After certain days, when Felix came with his wife Dressala, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, this was Paul preaching, Felix, what was his response? He trembled and answered and said, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. So here he heard the gospel, and, and he was convicted. There was, God was working in his heart. There's no question about it. He was trembling, and, and he said, hey, go away. I, it's, it's not convenient for me to make this decision right here, right now. Hmm. Well, Proverbs 21, 27, verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It is reported that Colonel Rawl, uh, commander of the British troops in Trenton, New Jersey, was playing cards when a courier brought in an urgent message stating that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware River. Rawl put the letter in his pocket and didn't bother to read it until the game was finished. Then realizing the seriousness of the situation, he hurriedly tried to rally his men to meet the coming attack, but his procrastination was his undoing. He and many of his men were killed, and the rest of the regiment were captive, captured. Here's the deal. What is God calling you to do? I imagine there's a lot of people in hell right now who said, someday I'll get saved. Someday I'll get right with God. But then before that someday ever occurred, their life was taken. Is procrastination hindering you from doing right? Doing what God wants you to do? Taking the next step in your Christian life? Salvation. Have you been putting it off? Baptism. Maybe you've been saved and you're like, yeah, I, I know I need to get baptized. I know I need to follow the Lord, but I'm just kind of waiting for everything to... You know what the, the eunuch said here in Acts chapter 8? Hey, here's a bunch of water. What hinders me to be baptized? Let me take care of that so I can follow the Lord in the next step that he wants me to take. Joining the church. I'll join the church once I kind of get to know everybody and everything. And I understand. I mean, hey, this is a commitment. When you join a church, it's not a small little deal like, oh, yeah, I just join churches all the time. This is you're becoming part of the body. It's a big deal. However. When God makes it clear to you that this is the church you need to be part of, join on up. Stop waiting and waiting for everything to just work out just right. Come on, be part of the body. Be part of the church family. Tithing. Well, I'll start tithing once I can afford it. You're probably never going to get to that point. You just need to step forward by faith right here, right now, and start. Stop procrastinating. Witnessing to a neighbor, there's a, perhaps a friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone at school. I've been meaning to talk to them about Christ. I've been meaning to call them. I've been meaning to just get into the gospel with them. What are you waiting for? There was a man who was a Catholic man, and he was my boss at Staples. And I really wanted to witness to him. But I kept putting it off, putting it off. And then one day, 
he wasn't at Staples anymore. He had moved on. And then I found out just a few weeks later that he had died. And I'll forever regret not taking those opportunities when I had them to talk to him. Stop procrastinating. Stop putting things off. Gloria Peitzer had written this clever little poem. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. Can I encourage you to stop it today? And whatever God's calling you to do, make the decision today. But stop waiting until, you know, I, I, I told our teenagers when I was a youth pastor, we, we had our, our TIN program, and we have a TIN program here in our youth group now. And it's called Teens Involved Now. That's what it stands for, TIN, T-I-N. Teens Involved Now. Look, we don't need to get serious about we don't need to wait until we have a family and, and we have a career to get serious about our relationship with God. No, no, we need to do that now because we're not guaranteed that we're going to make it to that point. And we need to develop those habits now. You think, oh, I'm busy now. <laughs> yeah, just wait till you become an adult. So teenagers, stop waiting until... You graduate from high school. You graduate from college. You kind of sow your wild oats and seeds and, and, uh, and just enjoy your youth. No, no, no. This is the time to invest your time while you're young to use that energy, to use that time to get to know your creator. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Not remember uh, next year or when you graduate. Or when everything just kind of works itself out and I don't have any medical issues anymore and my finances are fine, then I'll get... No, 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 no. Now, stop procrastinating. What else hinders us from following the Lord? By the way, I'm just going to call a timeout. We're going to finish this first point and we're going to finish the message tonight. Because I want to get to lunch, don't you? <laughs> So that's what we're going to do. I thought that might happen. But here we are, fourthly. What's another hindrance to us following God in our life? The love of the world. The love of the world. This world is an attractive place if you look at it long enough. It really is. There's a lot of pleasure to be had in this world. But it's very temporary, and many times it comes with consequence. There was a man who was following God, but the love of the world hindered him from following the Lord in his life. His name was Demas, and he was shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul and serving the Lord and, and, and faithfully doing so and, and, and going along and experiencing all the highs and lows of the ministry and and then one day, though, his eyes got off the Lord and got his eyes onto the world. And sadly, we hear in 2 Timothy, as Paul ends his writing career right before he died, he said this, Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. 
You see, the allure of the world was so strong and it absolutely hindered him from following the Lord and the will of God for his life. And friend, if it can happen to somebody walking next shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul, it can happen to any one of us. The love of the world can hinder me and can hinder you from following God. What else? Fifthly, the love of money can hinder us from following God's will. Can the love of money hinder us from following Christ? You better believe it. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's turn over there. First Timothy chapter 6. Verse number 9. But they that will be rich, those who make it their whole life's purpose to gain money. I'm not against money. I like to have money. I do. But that's not what life is all about. Jesus says your life isn't all about the things that you possess. Verse number nine, they that will be rich, what happens to them? They fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Friend, this is, these are bold words. And you think, it's not going to happen to me. I can control my affection towards money. Well, let's keep reading in verse number 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You and I are all susceptible to this particular hindrance. How does this manifest itself in our life? Well, those who have work and they say, you need to work on Sunday. And then we're faced with a dilemma. God says for me to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But my boss is saying I have to work. And I know if I don't listen to him and and say no, I could lose my job, thereby losing my source of income. In that moment, we have to decide, would we rather have Jesus or would we rather have silver or gold? Yeah, I'm not saying it's an easy decision. I'm not saying it's just an easy, yeah, I'd love to, but no, I need to follow the Lord. It can be as simple as that, but I understand the dilemma. And yet when it comes down to it, when we go to the judgment seat of Christ, are we going to have to stand there and answer to our boss or are we going to answer to the Lord? The love of money. Again, I realize you need a job. I realize we need money and earn, earn money to be able to pay the bills and put foot on the table and roof over. I get that. But don't you believe that God will take care of you if you honor him first? Uh, No, I mean, I got to do this. My boss says this. And so I guess I have to obey my boss. Meanwhile, you're disobeying God. Let's just kind of put it 
in blunt terms. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 tells us love of money is root of all evil. Many have, uh, er some had erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verse 11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. Don't let this be a hindrance to you. I want you to instead follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight, fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. And has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Uh, look, uh, I want to encourage us uh, to, to have a good work ethic, yes, but, but to not love money more than we love God. Love God more than you love gold. We all need money to survive, yes. But the almighty dollar is not going to get anybody into heaven, and it's not going to buy you peace. The love of money. Paul is exhorting Timothy and us to flee from this hindrance, to not let money keep us from following the will of God. Sixthly, a couple more, and then we'll close for today and pick it up here tonight. Fear is another one. Fear is a tremendous hindrance to us following God, and, and when we're like confronted with what's the next step in my Christian life, it's, let's say it's giving. I'm afraid that I can't afford it. I'm afraid that I'm going to go bankrupt if I start honoring the Lord. The thing is, the Bible is full of promises for those who do give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. By the way, um, you cannot outgive God. It's impossible to do. And so I, I'm saying this morning is, look, fear. Don't let fear be a hindrance in you doing what God wants you to do. Fear of what others may think of me. If I decide to get saved, if I decide to get baptized, if I decide to get serious about my relationship with God and to have personal devotions and start witnessing to people, what will people think of me? Fear. That fear almost caused me to not get saved. I was a 12-year-old young man on Christmas night. All the gifts had been opened. We were all kind of in our own little areas throughout the house. And I was alone in the dining room with my book that I was working through for church. I was part of Royal Rangers and trying to go from a buckaroo to a pioneer. I had to do certain things, and I remember coming to a question on that booklet, and I had to fill in this question. Please write the date that you got saved, the date that you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the day that you believed on Christ. And there was a blank there for me to write the date that I made that decision. And I remember looking at that blank and thinking about that question and going, you know what, I've been in church all my life. I've heard about doing it, but I've never done it. Now, I know I could make that decision right now, but if I write today's date on it and I'm honest, I wonder what people are going to say to me. What are people going to think? I wonder if they're going to come talk to me. I wonder if they're going to say, Hey, Eric, I thought you were saved already. What in the world? Why? Why? That was what was going on in my head. I was afraid of what people would think of me. 
And so I was battling it, and it almost, and it was hindering me from making this decision. But finally, I pushed that aside, and I said, it doesn't matter what people think of me. I need to make this decision right here and get this settled in my heart. I wonder if there's somebody in here who's been in this church for a long time, perhaps, or maybe this is your first Sunday. And you say, if I get saved today, I mean, what are people going to think? I mean, I've been in this church forever. Don't let fear hinder you from following God. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. There were chief rulers who believed in Christ, but they were kind of quiet about it because of what? Fear. Let fear hinder them from following the will of God for their life. Fear is definitely something that often hinders, prevents us from doing the will of God. And of course, the opposite of fear is faith. Corey Ten Boom said this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The world says believing is seeing, or seeing is believing, but the Lord says believing is seeing. Just trust Him. Hey, how many of you are, you when you buy something on Amazon, you like to look at all the reviews? Would you raise your hand? You're a review reader. Okay, many of us. Okay, when it comes to trusting in the Lord, how many of you would give God a five-star rating on being faithful to you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, guess what? If there was a review system, it would be 100% five stars. It would be infinite stars because he has never failed and he never will fail. It's not something he can do. So trust him. Stop being afraid. Fear can hinder us. The last one here, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for the morning and pick it up here next uh, to, tonight. Bitterness. Was there somebody in the Bible who was hindered by bitterness? Yes, his name was Jonah. He was bitter towards the people, the Ninevites. And when God called him to go and deliver a message to them, he didn't want to because he knew how gracious God was. He knew how merciful God was. And he did not want the Ninevites to receive that message. And so this bitterness hindered him from doing what was right. And we know the rest of the story. But guess what? Jonah's not the only one that bitterness hinders. I wonder if bitterness is hindering you from causing, from following God's will for your life, from taking the next step. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that maybe you're bitter towards. Maybe you're bitter towards God. Maybe you're bitter towards someone uh, who hurt you in the past. But I want to encourage you to not let this hinder you from doing the will of God, following Him. So several ways that Satan uses to hinder us. Which one is it for you? Maybe I mentioned it. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it's something else. The Ethiopian eunuch wanted to identify what the hindrance was and that he wanted to remove that hindrance so that he can follow God for his life. Can I encourage you today to identify the hindrance that has been preventing you from 
following God. Identify it, name it, and say, let's get it out of here so I can follow God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the time together this morning as we have talked about what doth hinder me. Lord, there are many hindrances in our lives. If we're not careful, we'll let them prevent us from following you. And, oh God, I pray that you'd help us to understand what they are and to remove them from our life. And, God, I pray especially if there's someone here today that their next step is to be saved, is to trust Christ as their Savior. Oh, I pray, Lord, today would be the day they put those hindrances aside and make that decision today and stop procrastinating and stop being uh, hindered by fear of what people will think, how it'll affect their life. Lord, help them to understand there is joy on the other side of following you. God, I ask that you would help us to make some good decisions today. Not tomorrow, not next year, but today. Our heads are bowed, eyes closed. Miss Pat, if you'd begin playing. As she does, I want you to take a moment there and pray and Talk to the Lord about maybe some hindrances that you've allowed to prevent you from taking the next step in your Christian life. Asking God to give you courage and strength to remove those hindrances so that you might be obedient to God. I'll be quiet and let you have a time of prayer there.